0: From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for July 4th, Happy Independence Day, 2021. And when Danny Flecker reached out to podcast, I knew that there were one of a couple reasons he probably wanted to do it, one of which is that Italy is on to the Euro 2020 semifinals. Uh, His beloved Italian uh, men's soccer team, national team, that now moves on to face Spain, in the semis while england faces the feel-good story in denmark uh in the other semi-final um i last talked to you danny on friday i said good luck and then i got out of the way what was friday like
1: it was an interesting day i think there were two you know good games that that happened uh the spain switzerland game um you know was at 12 o'clock that was the first one um you know, Switzerland hats off to them. They, they played a hell of a game. I think that at the end for them, you know, being down a man, having to defend for almost 45 minutes uh, down one guy, um, out your captain as well. He was suspended for that game. I just think that the exhaustion and emotion from the France game on Monday um, to what happened on Friday for them was a little bit too much. It ended Spain just had a little bit more left in the tank um, when it came to, you know, withstanding you know, the, the pressures of the game, and ultimately the penalty kick. Um, so I mean, yeah, I thought the Switzerland a great tournament for them, and you know their ability to to get to where they got to, given the circumstances in that game, was, um, was impressive. You know, they were down one nothing early. Stayed with it, got that goal, um, you know, midway through the second half. But I think the red card ultimately for them, I think that happened like in the 72nd minute or 73rd minute, somewhere around there. I think you know, having to defend the rest of regular time and then all the extra time. Um, you know, they were fortunate to get to penalty kicks, and I think from there, again, the, the emotion and uh, the amount of minutes they played. You know, back to back in those games and extra time was a lot for them to overcome. Um, so, you know, Spain was able to advance um, how it there. And then the, the Italy-Belgium game, um, the first half was, was interesting. Very back and forth, very open, expansive. I think early in that game, um, you know, I, I got an understanding of what Belgium was going to be doing. They were looking to pack the middle of the field, um, make it difficult for Italy to play through the center in um, their strong midfield, and they wanted to force them out wide. Um, where they knew Italy wasn't really going to be interested in playing crosses across the middle of the box, they wanted to play through the middle, and then use that you know, turnover, suppress, and counter. And they had a couple of good opportunities early. Um, you know, They forced a big save uh, at Donnarumma uh, at the Breuner shot, um, and they were looking to play on that counter and use the speed and, Creativity of their front line to expose uh, the back uh, of Italy. Uh, fortunately, uh, you know for Italy they were able to get that first goal, um, and then they were able to get that second goal. And personally, I thought, you know, once they scored that second goal, I was like, okay, let's just get to halftime. You know, then you can regroup, adjust. You're to two nothing. Uh, Belgium really hasn't shown a lot in possession here, and, and you know, if we can get two nothing at halftime, we'll be okay. But then, you know, they got that penalty kick right before halftime, and then Belgium, you know, had some renewed enthusiasm and an opportunity to tie the game, and then from there, things things would change. Um, But thankfully, um, you know, Italy was just able to kind of go back to old school Italy, defend for a little bit, um, you know, counter when they needed to counter. They didn't really need to score a second goal, but it would have been nice. Um, But, you know, unfortunately for them, they lost. Probably their best player. The tournament, in spite He you know, tore his Achilles in the 77th minute. So it's going to be interesting to see what they line up with on uh, Tuesday, uh, because he's been a really big part of what they've done both defensively and in possession on the left side. So um, a great performance, great game overall. Uh, you know, but obviously for me, a better result. You know, having them move on to the semis where they'll
0: play Spain. You know, that's what I was going to ask you about. Um, you know, torn Achilles are not something you can play through, obviously. And when you look at what you're facing now, which is a, a Spanish team um, that is, you know, always highly, highly powerful. And, and we'll get to them and, and also England and Denmark. Um, uh, uh, sorry we will get to England Denmark momentarily but to double back on Spain for a second um, is this a matchup where, where that player uh, his absence will be um, enhanced or is that something that you're more worried about for a potential Euro final game
1: yeah I definitely don't want to look ahead um, because I can not think it happen. Um, but it, it's a big loss for them in the sense that you know depth on the wing and that specific position isn't really there um, they, you know the backup is Emerson he played for Chelsea so you know he understands what it's like to play for you know big clubs and big games but you know his, his usage in 2020, 2021 wasn't high um, and, and Spinozzola was just creating a lot of opportunities for them he you know has the speed creativity, um, he had really good chemistry with Insigne on the left side. Um, so I think in this game with Spain, it might not be that big of a loss in the sense that I think the, the game plan with them is going to be a little bit different than, say, they play Denmark or or England. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how they readjust what their, their game plan is going to be because right now, you know, they... They have said that, you know, we have a system. We have players that we understand can come into our system and play within our system. It doesn't matter who they are, what they've done. You know, we we trust them. Um, I I think now it's going to be where, you know, that's put to the test. And, you know, no team is going to ever raise a trophy in any sport without some adversity. Um, You know, we've seen it numerous times in numerous sports where your top guy or one of your top guys goes down and you have to – readjust and help the next man up and provide some of that stability and, um, you know, productivity. And it it goes for a year. And I think for Italy, this game with Spain, um, you know, they've been a thorn in their side for numerous tournaments. Um, This is the most played matchup in Euro history. Uh, This is the seventh time they've gone up against each other. But the interesting thing I take from this matchup is that it's sort of a change of the guard in a sense of style of play. You know, the way Italy plays isn't too um, far off from the way those dominant Spain teams in the early 2010s played. You know, high pressing, um, looking to turn you over on your side of the field using possession. Um, quick passing, um, you know, utilizing the chemistry of your team and and the the understanding of the system over, you know, overall uh, talent. Um, And those Spanish teams were very, very talented. This team, compared to those, is not as talented. I think that's easy to see. Um, I think the key for Italy in this game is maintaining that possession, keeping things in front of you, and and taking shots. I think the Spanish defense is a little weak. We've seen them give up leads in every single game that they've had. Um, they've had trouble, you know, holding those leads. Um, so it's gonna be interesting to see if Italy can kind of impose their their game on them like they did against Belgium uh, early in that first or at least late next first half, um, and be able maybe to get that goal or two that, that puts them ahead and then forces Spain to chase the game a little bit.
0: Let's go to, to Italy, Denmark. Sorry, to um, England, Denmark. Here for a second as Danny Flecka joins us on Teeing It Up. You have an English team that has an entire country riding on them um, in a way that I don't think us in America can fully understand the the pressure that English soccer is. Chris Fowler, who's covering Wimbledon for ESPN, um, you know, put out a video yesterday showing how expansive the newspaper coverage of this is and, and showing how detailed it is down to formations and sets and all kinds of different things. This is a huge moment. And then you have Denmark who has rid, uh, sorry, rode this momentum of let's win it for that player who unfortunately had that nearly tragic incident and thankfully is, is alive and looked like he's going to be okay. Um, in their opening match um, last week, or two weeks ago, I guess. So there's a lot of emotion on both sides. There's the feel good and quote story with Denmark, and then there's, you know, England, which has all this pressure on them. How do you view that matchup, and how do you view their path into this semi? Yeah, I,
1: I think it's pretty much what you said, right? That the pressure now shifts completely back to England. Um, you know, Denmark, I think, felt. The pressure early on um you know trying to understand you know this is our reality right now we're without our captain we had one of the you know most tragic situations that could ever happen to an athlete happen on the field you know you saw potentially one of your best friends die right and they brought him back to life but i think the pressure was on them early Um, especially in that first game and then the second game and then the third game, you know, they had to score four goals just to make it through. And I think since then we've seen them play a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more within their style. I think they have also understood that, hey, he's not walking through that door right now. He's not coming back. We have to play with what we have available to us, and we have to trust that we we can do what we can do. And I think that's presented Denmark with that opportunity to – to let loose a little bit um and you've seen some good performances from them recently and um i think when we were on last week i told you that i, I thought that they would make it to the semis and play
0: england and yeah here we are you did. on the other end, you know england now is facing um
1: an obstacle for them that goes back 65 60 years um where they haven't made a final in a, in a big tournament since i think the 1966 world cup um Every time they seem to make it this far, they, they find tragedy. Um, they find a way to lose. They you know get into a situation where they don't have that opportunity to make it to win that trophy. And you know the thing for them is that they are at home. They're playing both these games at Wembley. Um, if they make it to the final, for them it's about execution. You know they haven't um, you know allowed a goal in this tournament. They scored some goals yesterday, but I think it was more the opponent than it was potentially you know what they were looking to do. Uh, the Ukraine were just decimated with injuries, they they were just not a, a strong matchup, um, and I think for England it's all about can we execute and do the things that we need to do. We have the talent, we have the players, we trust our manager, um, we just need to go out there and, and do the things that we're good at doing. Um, I think it's going to be a great game. I. I I could see it going either way. You know, Denmark has this team of destiny feel to them. But England could be feeling the same way. So I think it's going to be a very, very exciting game. And I think uh, England has the talent, has the team, but we'll see what happens.
0: How much, like, for the folks out there who may not understand, what's the equivalent of what England is facing at home? Like, what are the ramifications here? Is this like you know, the Yankees finishing last in the AL East? Is this like, you know, the Cowboys finishing last in the, in the NFC East? What's the best comparison to the four great American sports as to what this English football team is facing?
1: I think it's um, not even anything compared to that. I think it's not be similar. We saw this past winter, right, with Tampa Bay running the gauntlet to get to play the Super Bowl at home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anytime you host a tournament or you host an Olympics at home, there's always a little more pressure and a little bit more gratification if you're able to succeed. Um, and, and I think that's what we're going to see here. I think it's along those lines where you have that opportunity to play and win in front of your home fans. Something that in international soccer doesn't always happen um, because you know the, the way they rotate the tournament. So I think it's more along those lines than anything else.
0: Um, Dream for a second, because I know you don't want to skip ahead, but if Italy has the honor and privilege of defeating Spain and moving on to the final, who would you like to face? Who would you prefer to face? I think my preference would be to
1: play England. Um, not because I you know, want to see... England suffer or anything like that Um, I just want the best possible game Um, and I do think that that would be the best possible game Um, I think if you, anytime you try to win a tournament or win something um, you want to beat the best teams and I think that you know, the gauntlet that Italy is going to go through if they're going to win the Euros, you know, beating Spain beating Belgium, um, then playing England, I think I'd, you know, want to play England just because I think that'd be the best game and it'd be um, an opportunity to, to spoil what England is trying to go for, which is always nice when you're the oppo- opposing fan in that type of situation.
0: Danny Flecka with us here on Teeing It Up. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, Denmark, before everything that happened um, on that pitch uh, two weeks ago, was this team trending in, in this direction? Are you surprised that they're in the semifinals? or for people who watch football day in and day out, is this not a surprise to see them play this well?
1: I'm surprised that they were able to overcome what they did. Um, I thought that, you know, coming back from that showed tremendous resolve and unity within that team in that locker room. Um, But before the tournament, they were picked as a dark horse, and they had the skill and the team to, to get to where they are right now, and... And for them, they got a little bit of luck with the draw, uh, you know, the, the way they had to go through. But as far as them getting here, I think it's more along the lines of, you know, wow, you know, how were they able to overcome what they did? And, you know, good for them to be here. They deserve it.
0: Um, let's switch to something else for a second. We have Bryson DeChambeau. Paired with Aaron Rodgers um, in the match episode four, I guess, versus Mickelson Brady, we have a situation where Aaron Rodgers does not know, or he knows, but we don't know what he's going to do if he's going to report to training camp in two weeks, and Bryson DeChambeau just fired his caddy, Um, or his caddy quit, or they mutually parted ways, or they're taking a break. Um, You and I both know that most relationships, when you you take a break, do not uh, end in them getting back together. Um, It's usually code for uh, we're actually broken up. Um, So do you think we find out more from Bryson on why him and Tim Tucker have parted ways? Or do you think we find an answer to if Aaron Rodgers will be the Packer quarterback in 2021?
1: Yeah, I don't think we get either, <laughs> to be honest with you. I think it's be
0: pretty tight lip. You know, well, what's interesting about this is you have Brian Anderson, Trevor Immelman, Charles Barkley, Larry Fitzgerald in the booth. And I was asked on the Northwest Golf Show, ESPN Radio Seattle, uh, uh, seven ten seven ten a.m. Thank you, Sean Crew, for having me on the show once again. Um, was I more interested in Barkley than, in, than anything else? And I said, no, I'm actually interested to see what happens here. And what I find fascinating is that the Bryson situation has kind of overshadowed what I think is, or, or, or what I think was the biggest story coming in, which is Rogers and, and, and what he's going to do. Um, there's a lot of conjecture, I think, among um, people out there that, that this thing with Rogers and the Packers is for real. And... We always talk, and and you and I have talked many times, about... Are you still there, Danny? Danny is not there. Um, Okay. Shoot. Shoot. Danny Fletka, um here on Teeing It Up, is going to call back uh, when he regains connection. Um, there are some dead spots when you go from Massachusetts to uh, um, Connecticut. And that's, I think, one of the interesting storylines for the match, episode three, which airs, uh, episode four, actually, which airs um, this Tuesday live from Montana on TNT, 5 p.m. Eastern time um for that. Uh Brian Anderson, Trevor Elmman, um Charles Barkley, Larry Fitzgerald, Cheyenne Woods uh will be on the call for that event. Um and and obviously one of the storylines is gonna be uh Phil and hitting bomb and salacious seeds and how well does he drive the ball and then um conversely how far A stray can Bryson get at at elevation? Does his dispersion pattern, and this is very golf um, intense, but how much does his dispersion pattern get altered by what he's going through? So, um, it's definitely you know when you're at altitude, are are things amplified or things not amplified? So we'll find out. Um, with the rest of the world uh, coming up Friday at 5, sorry, Tuesday at 5 on TNT. We're going to shut this pod down and we're going to reboot and come back and issue a second podcast of much shorter length here on Teeing It Up. So stay with us, Uh, look in your feed, subscribe, rate, review, um, and look for part two of this podcast coming up momentarily. Stay with us right here on Teeing It Up.